12 heads of lettuce. We've been going through kind of 12 uh, New Year's resolutions. Actually, this did start first of the year, and here I am still doing it, and we're just on step five. So uh, enjoy. Um, missed last week. I apologize. The weather was just so bad. And make sure to be listening, be uh, watching uh, the church website. This 41411 with your cell phones, it's really good to just get information through texts um, of what's going on with the church. Uh, call the church, um, but typically the website should be one of your best bets, and um, Facebook, uh, even Twitter. Um, we're trying so hard to make sure that we communicate clearly, but I realize not always can we catch you, and then, then you come up here and we're not here. Uh, if it's in question at all, call the church or check the website. Um, but uh, hopefully we're, the snow is behind us, even though it's supposed to snow tonight. Uh, all right, 12 heads of lettuce. If you remember, we started this starting in Hebrews, and there are 12 times in Hebrews that it talks about let us, plural, us as a church, us as a body. Um, we've gone over four so far. First was let us fear, let us be diligent, let us hold fast our confession, and let us draw near to the throne of grace. Today, tonight, step five, it's a big one, and I, I, I like this one for, for this size group tonight. I know we're down. Um, I know a lot of people are, are debating on the weather, still battling the weather, but for the core of Church on the Hill, we must press on to maturity. This is in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. I want to encourage you, church, go home with something and apply it. When you get out your Bible every morning and you're starting to read the Word, who, who remembers what Sunday morning was about? Does anyone? That just disappoints the heck out of me. It was on abiding. It was on abiding in the word. And I would so encourage you, not for my sake, for your sake, to take these nuggets of scripture, this instruction, and, and apply it to your life. You will see a result from it. I promise. God's word says it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was set forth to do in you. So as you're getting in the Word, as I'm expecting you to, and as I'm getting in the Word, I'm looking for a nugget to stand by for the day. What do you have to say to me today, God? Because I need a word from you today. And it may come from the sermon. It may come from a worship song that you're singing. It may come as just as you're praying and meditating on the words you, you, wrote, you read. It may be just dropped into your spirit. Uh, but we need to be feeding on the Word of God. Amen? So, let us press on to maturity. It's so important that we see that we are to do this. There's no other option. Let us, as a church body, press on to maturity. Unfortunately, so many Christians and the church get to a point where they feel like they've arrived. That is a dangerous place to be. Um, Pastor Justin just said tonight, and I texted you this. I don't know if there's a song there or there's something cool there. I'm not never too cool for the cross. Uh, it was just a catchy thing that just caught me. 
And so many times we think we can be too cool for the cross. And what I mean is the pastor gets up and speaks or someone speaks a word of wisdom. One of your cohorts, one of someone that is, is a wise man or a wise woman comes and speaks something to you, maybe even critically or in criticism, and you just say, man, I know that. What are you telling me that for? I know that. When all you need to do is just shut up and chew on it. Just chew on it for a minute because there's probably an answer to your next move. It's so immature, and I can be so immature that when someone brings a critical word to me, I fire a critical word right back. That's so immature. That's what kids do. Instead of chewing on it, asking the Lord, Lord, is there some truth here? And if there is, show me, because I am desperate for your, for your hand, for your favor, for, your, for you to guide me. Uh, in the direction that I need to go and to stop me going in the direction I don't need to go. Amen? Um, So, we don't want to ever feel like we've arrived. It's never true in the Christian life. To remain static in the spiritual life is impossible. You are either going forward or you are going backwards. You are never staying the same. Look at Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Now, I'm hoping you've never seen it this way. If you have, great. We're going to go together. But the phrase, the path of righteousness, I just want to say real quickly, this is a general phrase. This is for the believer. This is for those that are seeking, if you know Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those that are seeking after righteous, the path of the righteous, that's speaking about you. doesn't mean you always get it right. You're not always going to get it right. But are we going down the path of righteousness trying to get it right? Believe me, I miss it a lot, but I'm trying to get it right. So if we can all agree, this is us. I want you to notice, first of all, that righteousness is a path. A path is a thing that you do not just stand on. You take it. You take the path. You walk it. You move on it. You follow it. Righteousness is a path. Never designed for standing still or sitting down. And what this means is that righteousness as a path is something that is in motion. It implies progress and development. Amen? But it also says that this path is like the light of dawn. You know, when we first came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it was like the sun rising in the darkness. Do you remember that day? It's like the light switch finally turned on. For most of us, it was a life-changing experience. From darkness to light, as though the dawn had come in our hearts. But I want you to know that the dawn is just the beginning of the day. It's not the end of the day. It's not even the middle of the day. It's the beginning. Dawn's not the end of God's purposes. It's the beginning. And this path uh, is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. As we walk in the path of righteousness, the light should be getting brighter and brighter. As you're walking, you should be growing and growing and it getting better and better and you getting stronger and stronger. And you know, even brighter and brighter would signify joy and happiness. 
darkness getting pushed further and further down and light being pushed more and more up. We are the light of the world. We, church on the hill, are a light up on the hill, not to be put underneath the table. It's to be bright, and the church should be getting brighter and brighter, not dimmer and dimmer. It's like the light of dawn until we reach that full day, and that full day is our destination. How many here have arrived? Anybody here already in heaven and at the throne and and experiencing your life with Jesus? No sin, no sickness, no problems, no complaining, just pure joy. Anybody arrived at that place? No. Then we keep walking the path. Brighter and brighter until we reach the full day, the height of noonday. God is not content that we stop short of that full brightness. The dawn, again, is our beginning point. The path is the way of progress, and the light gets brighter, and there is no stopping until we reach the full day. This is the mistakes that the Hebrews were making. It's why they got these words of let us. The mistake they had made is that they had started trusting their special privileges and rested in them. It's what Americans have done. We have gotten complacent and um, we're, we're, uh, we, we feel like we've arrived. We're spoiled. Nothing to work for anymore. How many of you know the work ethic has changed in the workforce? It's changed incredibly. And then if you ask someone to work, they call you a whatever, meanie. I'm thinking of other words, but I'm going to say meanie. People don't work. People go to church and don't move. Expect everyone to move for, do the moving for them. I, I, went through, I went through something, again, I, t- I talk about it all the time, a couple years ago, waiting for someone else to bail me out of it. Nobody did. Waited for somebody to come rescue me. And nobody did. I had, Elizabeth and I had to walk out of hell. Nobody walked out of that for us. But we walked out of it. And it's gotten brighter and brighter every single day. Now, have challenges come? Yes, they have. I was talking to my dad today about challenges that just come in every direction all the time. And I was referring to him just saying, everybody's got them. Not just me. And mine aren't the worst. There's a lot worse out there than what, what I'm going through. But man, it seems like mine's the worst. But it's getting brighter and brighter. God is with us. When, when we start turning and going in the wrong direction, it starts getting darker and darker. That should be the light bulb for the church. Is it getting darker? Something's wrong. And it's not God. It's not getting dim in heaven. It's pure light. There is no brighter light than what's in heaven, than what comes from the glory of God. Heaven doesn't need a sun. Well, it has a sun. Are you battling darkness? I want you to know we need to get on the path of righteousness. The path of righteousness is fulfilling Matthew 6.33. If you fulfill Matthew 6.33, all these things will be added unto you. 
and your path will become straight. We cannot get lazy. They had, the Hebrews had taken things for granted. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. This is just before they got this word. It says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Can anybody relate? Have you ever talked to somebody that's just given up on what you have to say? I don't want to hear it anymore. Have you ever talked to somebody that knows too much? They know too much, and you can't talk to them. Let me tell you, I have been there. They no longer understand, want, try to understand. In, va- in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word over, all over again. You need milk, not solid food. This is a pretty major slam. So by this time you should be teaching, you need somebody to still to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk. You need a bottle. You need to be bottle fed. That's what this is saying. And you should be doing the teaching. Now I may be looking at y'all. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just. Let the word of God pierce your heart and give you truth. You need to be teachers not sucking off a bottle. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That last phrase is just packed full of wisdom. Just hang in there with me for just a minute. Because the writer here from Hebrews is saying pretty bluntly, just saying, you are a bunch of babies. You have no right to be infants at this stage in your Christian progress. You've had so many opportunities for so many years, you should be mature by now. But then the writer says the only way to advance in maturity, says um, solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Advancing to maturity along the path of righteousness, where the light grows brighter and brighter through the day, in actual practice, comes by constant use, comes by training ourself. Training ourself. It's not something we can take for granted, and it does not happen automatically. It requires our application. If you remember, one of the earlier steps from before was the words, let us be diligent. Go back to this word, by constant use, training ourselves. And I want to back up and say, I believe that the the primary way to train yourselves is by the word of God there is other ways to train there's other ways to be physical and to be spiritual but the primary way to train is by his word and training is not just reading it's doing you can go and read how to do sit-ups but you will not get one single benefit from reading about the sit-ups if you don't do the sit-ups 
You have to do the sit-ups. So you don't just read the Word of God, you apply it to your life. I know I sound like a broken record. I know I do. I feel like I've said this message every single time I preach. Every single time. I'm going to say it again. We have to be in the Word. Your life is going to change exponentially, unmeasurably, powerfully. Your marriage, your finances, your family, your children, your favor. Elizabeth and I were just talking today about the favor of God. Can't explain it. It just shows up. She's had an opportunity. Um, Do you want to share it? Um, She's just... It's just plain favor where she's working with all these other PhDs who have been in the program for years. She's been in it. This is her first, sem- her second semester and has been given two opportunities that she needs to have to graduate or it just looks good on, a, on an application. Um, she's had both of those opportunities happen this semester. One lady that is the head of one of the areas just said, how did that happen? How this, the head of this department hasn't gotten either one and has said, how did you do it? And all we can say is favor. There is no other way to explain it, but it's favor. This is what comes from seeking righteousness, from walking out the word of God. Now, we're not perfect at all. We're so far from perfect. But favor will come and find you. The blessings of God will come and find you. If you will start to abide in God's word, let me tell you, nothing on this earth will take you down. Nothing. You can't be taken down. I, uh, I got to lead um, for Ron and Sarah Nelson this last Sunday, their uh, Dave Ramsey session uh, class. And I'm telling you, it's all I could do to stay in that seat just from excitement, from what I could see the potential of the people sitting out there and what was in store for them if they would walk it out. Now, it seems so overwhelming while you're sitting there on, on week five or week six or whatever they are, and man, you're ready to kill each other. You're having to talk about your money, and you're looking at your budget, and you don't have enough money, and you're just ready to, you're ready to do something bad. You're not feeling good at all. But, but I'm sitting there looking at, what the potential is for their life. That's what I look at for you if you will abide in the word of God. It is unmeasurable. How can I say it's any bigger than that? It's unmeasurable. Your potential, as Justin was saying, as God comes through the flea market, and it's not a flea market, he's going, he's, well, I don't know, maybe it is a flea market, and he, he comes across something, it's like, I've been looking for that forever. You are what I want. I, God, the Lord would say, I see tremendous potential in you. You and me are going to do great things. I got off track. Advancing to maturity along the path of righteousness. It so bothers me to see Christians who appear to be Absolutely unable to distinguish between what's truly spiritual and what is fleshly. To not be able to distinguish good from evil. 
people that should be able to distinguish it. You know, we've got children of multiple ages, and what they're able to distinguish and what they're able to discern are at different levels. My 11-year-old cannot think at a 17, 18-year-old level. They do not see it the same. But that's what he is saying here to people that should be at this level, but they're not. You should be able to discern between good and evil. If you are walking the path of righteousness, abiding in the word of God, one of the, one of the fruits of that is your ability to discern between good and evil. Are you struggling to know what's good and bad? Take account. Don't get offended. Get on the offense. Get moving. So many Christians are stuck not knowing between the flesh and the spirit. Not learning how to distinguish between good and evil. The only way is to train ourselves by constant use. By constant use of train themselves to distinguish between good and evil. This is the definition of maturity in the word of God. Do you catch this? Not acquainting with the teaching about righteousness. Our constant use, personal training in righteousness will show you how to discern between good and evil and will move you from being on milk to being on solid food. Okay, y'all aren't saying anything. I'll take that as that you either get it or you don't care. So I'll move on. What is God's provision for attaining spiritual maturity? I want to show you what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I've got to get moving. It was he, that is, the risen ascended Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may build up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we see five ministries mentioned here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But these, uh, this verse, the, the verse that follows, gives us two purposes for these ministries so that we could step into or be prepared for works of service. That's number one. God's people cannot automatically do the work that they're expected to do. They have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. Have you ever tried to do a job where you weren't prepared? It doesn't go well. We have to be trained. And these five ministries are there to do it. The second purpose is so that the body of Christ might be built up. These five ministries are placed within the body of Christ to bring us into the unity of the faith and to bring us to maturity. Jesus Christ, as the head of the church, has provided these five ministries so that we can attain maturity. Paul says in Ephesians 4.16, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The church was never supposed to be an isolated, separated bunch of individuals doing our own thing. Never was that the intention. Never. 
The goal is is as a single body being held together by ligaments, by strong bands, a body that builds itself up and growing. It's the essential, it is essential that each part of the body does its work. You can see how important it is and what he's saying here is that even if we can't function at our full ability if even one is off. So it's important that we all come up together and we all get to work in what we're called to do. And when we all get to work in what we're called to do, man, it's going to be awesome. It's not just going to bless the church, it's going to bless you personally. God's calling on your life is not just going to bless the church, it's going to bless you personally. Part of your calling is in the church. And you need to fulfill that part. That's part of your calling. God's program is for us to come to maturity. Two main requirements. First, that we come under the discipline of the God-given ministries Paul's gave it, Paul gave us, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Without that discipline and oversight and instruction, I don't believe that we can ever reach maturity. How many here have had very influential teachers in your life? How many here have ever had a prophet, been, been able to to be and live around a prophet that can regularly speak into your life. Pastors that are regularly growing you and where you're supposed to go. Evangelists who are stirring up that, that desire to win the lost, helping win the lost, helping equip you to win the lost. The evangelist's job is not just to win the lost, it's to equip you to win the lost. It's part of our calling. We like to think, let's just bring in the evangelist and let's get everybody saved. No, the evangelist needs to stick around. We've gotten off thinking that the evangelist just is a traveling minister that we need to have once a year to make sure our people get saved. No, we, need, we have an evangelist in our church. We just may not know who it is. But there is one. God has not set a church. He has not called a church and not equipped it. We've got these five-fold ministries here. We're just not functioning at that full level yet we've got the prophets i've got two sitting right up here on the front row be careful if you ever ask them to prophesy over you because they will and there's more than what we have sitting right here i love a prophet usually (laughs) it can be rough yeah um, I, we, I, we had uh, Ben Craze, who I believe is just one of the most prophetic people that I know. And every time he starts praying for somebody, I think I've told you all this, I need popcorn and a Coke. And I just want to sit and just watch and just enjoy because, I mean, it's just, it's just the most unbelievable thing you've ever seen. And I know you all think I'm probably exaggerating. No, I'm telling you, I need popcorn and I need a drink and I need oxygen. You get around somebody that really hears the Spirit of God and knows how to flow in the prophetic, my goodness, get ready. So, first, we've got to come under the discipline of these five-fold ministries. Second, we must be a part of a growing body, not an isolated individual. That same passage, Paul states the only alternative, the only other alternative, which is not good if we don't follow God's plan for maturity. Ephesians chapter 4, 14. We'll no longer be infants. 
tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by the wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and deceitful scheming. If we remain infants, that's where we will wind up, being tossed by every word, by never planting our feet, by never doing anything solid, and allowing deceiving people to direct us. That's immature, immature Christians. These are believers that are getting tossed back and forth. We think we walk an aisle and we're done getting tossed back and forth. No, man, it's really just kind of getting started. If we fail to come under these ministries, refuse to be a part of a body and accept his scriptural discipline, the alternative is we will remain infants. This a lot, a lot of times looks like the people that follow a new fad, a new doctrine, a new teacher blown here or there. Man, any kooky word and they're going down that road. And I don't just mean churchy word, I mean goofy word. Tom Cruise goofy. I'm not kidding. People get off track so easily. Those that are getting blown off track so easily need a sign that says, I'm still an infant and I need to get to solid food. The way I get to solid food is by righteousness, by by constant use and personal training, regular training. There's no other way. There's no other way. We've got to come under the discipline of, of God's provided ministries. We've got to become a part of the body. It is the only way to maturity. Amen? All right. Step five in AA. Admit to God and to ourselves and to other human beings the exact nature of our wrongs. Such a strong thing to come to the reality of what you've done and really to own it, to take responsibility. I'm reading a book called The uh, uh, Seven um, Habits of Highly Effective People. And he just breaks down the word um, responsibility to response the ability to respond. That we have the ability to respond to the things that we've done and we need to own the things that we've done and stop blaming other people. You are where you are because of you. Not because of your parents, not because of your spouse, not because of Obama, not because of the... uh, uh, And when I say Obama, I mean because of our nation, because of the the government, because of the um, economy. You are where you are because of the decisions that you've made. Um, and you can come out of them. But you're not going to come out of them until you own, that, that own where you are. Take responsibility and make some changes. Amen? Amen. We all stand up with me and I'm just going to pray over you. Well, Father, I just, uh, uh, Justin, I need you to pray. Sorry, I just messed that up. Let me pray, and then you're going to pray. Uh, if y'all don't mind, have a seat one more time. We're going we're gonna to pray for the sick. I'm sorry. I messed that up. I still want to pray for you. Lord, I just ask that we at Church on the Hill would just um, take account of our personal walk and our corporate walk. Are we really um, on the path of righteousness, or are we on a lost path? Lord, help, help shine the light and to really just give us a, an aha moment.
to be able to see, hey, I could make some adjustment here. And Lord, as we make what little adjustment or big adjustment that we make, we just ask that you would just come and just move supernaturally in our lives. The doors that don't seem to be able to open, Lord, help them to open. The doors that need to close, that we don't know need to close, Lord, close them. And Lord, we just ask that as we seek righteousness and we walk a path of righteousness, your word says the path of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. We're going to trust that as we are beginning to practice righteousness, that you will order our steps. We don't even have to think about our steps. You will order them for us because we will follow your word. We will follow righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Help us to seek you first, your kingdom, and your righteousness. And Lord, you do the rest. The second part of that scripture is up to you, God. We're trusting you. Thank you, Lord.